Welcome once again to Orange is the New Cast. It's the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's hit television series, Orange is the New Black. This week we're talking about episode 310, A Titten and a Heron. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me this week is Amy from The Because Show. Amy, would you care to tell the listeners a bit about yourself and your show? Sure. I'm Amy from The Because Show. Um, I am a person, and I live in Los Angeles. And Susan, who is not here, but we're hoping is showing up. Yeah, who knows? If not, I'll it's do it. It's infamous uh, L.A. traffic. It struck again. The infamous God, L.A. traffic. God damn exactly. it. <laughs> exactly. The infamous Susan overbooking herself. They never showed um, Jack Bauer struggling with this on 24. He's just always city, across the city in five minutes. No problem. Always gets the Kojak parking right in the front. Right? <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, Susan and I have a podcast called The Because Show. And Anna, we really talk about everything and anything. We're two working moms. We have kids here in L.A., I think it's funny that the show started really as like a mom podcast. We had a third member for a long time, and she said, I listen to all these mom podcasts, and I think I can do better ones. you guys want to do it with me? And we said, sure. And then we never talk about our kids. Ended up never talking about our kids. So um, <laughs> speaking of officially unofficial, our officially unofficial tagline is um, just like your friends in real life, but funnier. Mm. Another one we have is um, book, sex, and mascara. Not in that order. <laughs> So whatever it is, we talk about it, and we have a lot of we have a pretty decent listener base. We have a lot of different kinds of people who listen, which is really cool. Not just women our age, but a lot of guys, a lot of young people, a lot of gay guys. Always the mark of success when you got the gay guys. You can learn um, a lot by listening to your podcast. A lot of what? stuff. You can learn a lot of things by listening to your podcast. A lot of okay. not not obvious thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like especially if you're a dude. You know, how often yes. do you get the chance to like listen to women having frank conversations about? sex mascara and books exactly i think a lot of people i think women can relate to it i think a lot of guys learn a lot about it um and we're pretty honest you know i'm kind of a believer in you know that we're looking for a third or we're considering looking for a third podcast member and i always say like one of the prerequisites is you have to be willing to reveal you know 60 to 70 percent of your personal life you got to be comfortable with that my god you guys are keeping 40 and 30 percent under wraps that's that's amazing that is no. Pretty hard to believe. Those are exciting, so you should hear what we talk about. Anyway, so everybody <laughs> should check it out. It's um, it's a good time. Uh, speaking of honesty, this this episode, mm-hmm. this episode got pretty real. Nice segue. Yeah, I, I you yeah. know, it's, I, I I try to be professional. Um, <laughs> what did you think of this episode? Because when what did you think of the season as a whole? Because we're ten episodes in, and kind of like, what was your feelings about this episode once you watched it? Well, I'm going to answer that question backwards. Um, Do it. I thought this episode was great. I thought it was definitely, I feel real pretty psyched that I get to talk about it. Cause I thought it was definitely one of my favorites of the season. I thought it was really, really good. Um, as far as the season as a whole, I liked it as I always do. I think it is pretty, the acting and the writing and the characters themselves, it's all pretty irresistible. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the same issue with it that I think I always have, which is I, I feel like the show sometimes doesn't know if it wants to be realistic, mm. a realistic show that is occasionally funny or just like a comedy that is sort of silly, you mm. know, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it just pushes it too far. And I'm like, well, now is it just like a cartoony? Yeah. Ridiculous thing? Because there are some parts of it that are feel so realistic. Right. And then when it goes into like this sort of cartoony humor you know, funniness that's that's over the top and not really that believable. I'm like, I don't know what the show wants to be here. Do so. you think it hurts like that kind of tonal shift? Do you think it hurts things like this episode where, you know, you're talking about the multiple rape of this particular character uh, and then you have some crazy Cindy, black Cindy trying to be a Jew in the same episode? Have- is that is that hard to like, because I, that that kind of, it's weird because I'm my, my bugaboo in a lot of entertainment is like weird tonal shifts. But for whatever yeah. reason, if I'm in the frame of watching like some of these modern dramedies, that stuff doesn't throw me as much as when, you know, a, another show will will like a drama will screw up and, you know, try to experiment with comedy in a way that doesn't work. Yeah, no, I thought the Black Cindy stuff was hilarious. Sure. And I also I was fine. I mean, because if when you have all these characters and all these stories happening simultaneously, some of them are going to be really serious and some of them will be more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say my this particular criticism is a little more micro than macro. I can't think of a specific incident right now, but it'd be more like 
Lex Indy trying to be a Jew and just being like too over the top with it and uh, being like, eh. like it's real, like it's funny and realistic that it, the characters all decide they want to keep kosher because the food's better. Right. Maybe one of them gets pretty into it, but then maybe some of the stuff is just like, okay, now it's just too much, right. you know, that kind of thing. These uh, one thing I thought has been interesting in this season, just to go off on a little tangent a bit, is and I, I we talked about this in a couple of the the episodes this season so far is that I feel like you know some of the core unrealisms in the prison as far as it's depicted we talked about how like there is no prison that has a kitchen like this prison Mm -hmm. you know where like women are just hanging around and cooking all the time and doing like you know cooking all these family meals that it's like you know food in a bag and i think it's interesting to see and i i wonder if like Jinji cohen has read that and it's like you know what that would make for a very interesting like if that was now suddenly taken away I've exploited all these storytelling possibilities of this kind of like family dinner table. Now I'm going to take mm. it away and they're going to be beef Wellington into this disgusting bag. And that's going to be something for red to deal with. I, I think it's kind of interesting how they've taken retroactively fit more unrealistic things into the prison and then use that to kind of drive the plot. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been, I don't know much about women's prisons. So for me, I was like, okay, there's a kitchen. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's yeah. out in it in a white collar, you know, in a white collar crime. Low right. Security. Maybe that happens. I don't know, you know. But um, I do think it's interesting how they take, to use as a plot device. To yeah. them take it. I don't, and like I, I said, I don't that. even know because it's not like Gingy's talking about the, her process. But I, 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 okay. I've wondered when I see them struggle with stuff, you know, like, uh not having proper books and things when, you know, it's a prominent plot that this, this character had his big library. I wonder if, if they're trying to like walk that back and make the prison a little bit more realistic. I don't know. I mean, do you know about low security women's prisons? We've had like, you know all about it. (laughs) I don't know all about it, but we've had lots of women that have been in the prison system and other people that have been like, we've had a CO write in and like think three different prisoners, one was more of a federal like prison, mm-hmm. like a you know a fe- major felony prison, but they all seem to. And then I've read like there was an interview with a woman who was in a prison kind of like this, and she said that was the most unrealistic thing that like the whole kitchen cafeteria set up. But yeah. well, so I don't know. But you're right, yeah. I not a women's prison expert. <laughs> another, your dreams. Another Only season in that uh, Orange and New Black, maybe, but right now, no. <laughs> Uh, what's getting the episode? This is called A Titten and a Heron, and we get the title sequence right up front because we have a Pentateuchy flashback to where she got her period at the ripe age of 10. And her mother gives her kind of horrifying advice on dealing with men. Let's discuss this. Um, I don't, you know, you guys have actually talked a lot about menstruation on the Because Show. And yeah, I think you guys have also talked about. Um, Can you just say menstruation one more time? Menstruation, <laughs> uh, menzies. Uh, that oh. you guys have talked about, like you know, education and talking to children and all. I make. I don't know what it's like to be a woman that gets her period for the first time and has no, and no one's even told her that this thing's possible. Mm-hmm. Like that must be fairly horrifying. Yeah, I mean, that's not a woman. That's a little girl who gets it. I mean, my son's eight. I can't, you know, it's just crazy to think about. Um, I know some girls do get it that early, especially, you know, I mean, maybe she hasn't had, I don't know, you know, that kind of person with that kind of upbringing, even if they don't talk about it at home, usually you get some kind of sex ed at school, but maybe she hadn't even had her, maybe she didn't do that. Maybe she hadn't had it yet. Maybe the school was so terrible they didn't do it, but Mm. I can imagine it's pretty scary to not know what that is. And what? I've heard a lot of people, even in books I've read, you know, and stuff from a long time ago, and people really didn't talk about it. Like, that is the universal reaction. I think I'm dying. Mm. Like, I've read that and heard it so many times from women and girls. Like, I'm, I think I might be dying. It makes sense. Like, I know, like, if I had blood squirting out of my dick when I was 10, <laughs> I would think, oh, this is bad wrong. There's nothing they can do to fix that. That's right. not good. That's, you know, you're, that's not good. And now I have a mental image I will never get rid of. So, thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, her mom's uh, advice on sex is basically you should just let him get it over with as quick as possible. Like a bee sting. Uh, it's like a bee sting, in and out, and yeah. uh, th- eat some double-fudge ice cream to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, this kind of uh, flows into the plot line of her relationship with the new correction officer, the donut guy, Coates. And he, right. he corners her in a stairwell, and he talks about things gotten weird the other day. And by weird, he's referring to the time where he made her fetch 
stuff like a dog and then uh got all handsy and forced him forced her to kiss him and a bunch of other stuff uh and he tries to play it off like you know he's his heart you know he's not good with women he's really a feminist and he likes her and this seems to carry a lot of weight with her like she's on board with the idea of him if he like says that he really likes her what did you think of this i was just about to ask you that question too um you know, I wanted someone to be kind to her right. so much, you know, and I think she probably wanted it, this pretend person, even more than I did. So she was going to overlook these things. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, anyone who does that, like, stay, first of all, she shouldn't be having a relationship with this guy. Right. The whole, the, the whole statutory rape thing has been a problem, as we've seen in, in <laughs> previous seasons. Right. But even that, even like a friendship, like the prisoner and the guard their friendship even was inappropriate sure. from the very beginning. He's yeah. asking her for advice and he's like, oh, stop here so I can get, you know, my paycheck or whatever it is. It just was bad to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And you knew it was going to end badly, you know? Yeah. And I did have a moment when he said, when she said, you like me, like me? And he said, I like you, like you, that I was like, oh, that's, even though he had been this shit face mm-hmm. just briefly before saying, bark like a dog and go fetch the donut, you know, and just yeah. done this horrible thing. Uh-huh. I still had a moment, this instinct moment where I was like, oh, that's so nice. I hope yeah. that they could. I hope it goes somewhere good. You know, <laughs> got to know better. You know, right. even though he was a total asshole. Yeah. So, um, you know, she is such. She's so. She's so vulnerable to it. She's so. She puts. Out, I mean, first we have to say that Taryn Manning was just incredible in this episode, mm-hmm. in the prison scenes and in the flashback scenes. She was great. I mean, that was really, really impressive, especially because that character had been pretty two dimensional. Sure. Up to this point. Sure. So um, I was really impressed with her and really just sad that this, you know, she was so vulnerable and she was such a target for this kind of, you know, someone shows her a little kindness. Yeah. And she's hers. What about you? What do you think of it? Uh, I thought it was weird, this this whole relationship, because, you know, right away, anytime I see relationships between the prisoners and the guards, I start thinking, even best case scenario where you got like, you know, Daya and Bennett, what a mm-hmm. train wreck that ended up being. Yes, and, true. you know, okay. Healy and Red and, and Pornstash and Daya and now this stuff, it seems like it's just always a bad idea. Um, but it happens on this show pretty frequently. And that's kind of been something we've been deba- debating amongst the other hosts is like, is that realistic? I was going to say, you should ask your prison friends. Well, it, it, I, we, the research that I've seen statistically says it's pretty horrifying how many inmates get, you know, abused by, especially talking about female inmates getting abused by the prison staff in these mm-hmm. thing, you know, types of, of situations. So maybe it actually is realistic in how, how they show it. But mm-hmm. no, I mean, this whole flashback package is designed to show, I I think it's interesting that it shows a lot of different non-consensual and rape scenarios that Mm -hmm. don't commonly get shown in media. You know, usually in the media, it's always the violent, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you know him, it's always this big violent thing. It's just unambiguously traumatic. And here it was like, you know, she did like this guy and Mm -hmm. she initiated some of this stuff, but she also was, was raped and they show kind of like both, you know, her as a teenager getting raped for a six pack of Mountain Dew and then her as an adult getting raped by this guy because he's angry and upset and and has a lot of control issues. So I mean, I think I, it's interesting. Both of the there are two rapes in this episode and both of them are absolutely unambiguous, you know, but They're the thing both. is, there are people there are people mm-hmm. that will would uh, today walking on a planet that will try to debate you. On some of these, like I, I don't think they would after they see this episode. But there's a lot of still talk about women are owed, you know, they owe men if you take them out to a nice dinners, like you know, a steak and lobster comes to the side or a dick. Uh, there's that kind of attitude, yeah. and there's also the attitude where you know, well, she liked me and she's smiling, she's touching me on the arm, she wanted it, you know. She, yeah, and yeah. and, and I mean, dog, it never says like to to um, to coats, no. But she clearly doesn't give consent, and I think that's important to show that, like, it doesn't have to be no, 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 stop, 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 for it still to be rape. Right. I think that is a really good point, and I think it's really, I think it's probably a pretty realistic, I, I mean, God forbid, I've never been raped, and I don't know people who have been, or if they're not talking about it, if they have, mm-hmm. um, but it still felt to me, pr- it's probably pretty realistic, yeah. you know, the way that happens. Um, 
there is, I mean, these two graves were totally unambiguous to me. Sure. And I think even the first one, she does say no. She said, in sure. Abe, yep, she does. Like, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Second mm-hmm. one, obviously, she didn't want to do it. Um, even though you're right, she didn't come out and say it, didn't have to. Um, what I really liked about both of them was the way she just kind of gave in. You know, yeah. she didn't fight. Like, after a certain minute, like, her face just went slack. Her mm-hmm. eyes went blank, you know? Mm-hmm. And she just kind of accepted it and waited for it to be over, just like her mom told her to when she was a kid. Like, this is her due. This is what happened. Exactly. She's she's internalized this idea of, well, I guess this is okay. Or I'll just wait and it'll be over and then I'll move on. Right. And I think that we so much think of rape as like a scary man jumping out from an alley and you're pounding with your tiny little fists on his big, scary chest going, yes, no, no, exactly, you know. Exactly. Um, and maybe that's happened sometimes, but I think this this kind of situation is probably way more prevalent. Oh, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. This is this really interesting sociological question. Okay. If you ask Pintatucky after this episode, did Coates mm-hmm. rape you, what does she say? Well, it's hard for me to answer that because I've seen the okay. episode after this where this does <laughs> – where she does talk about that. Okay. Now. Okay. Um, uh, so, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I'm saying that, like, if you just use information from this episode that it's mm-hmm. it's a 50-50 I, – I, no, I don't even think it's 50-50. I think it's – 90% of the time, if someone asked her, it's like, did you get raped? She would say, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. no. I, I, think, yeah, I think and that's true. That's the interesting thing about, like, when people, like, uh, want to minimize rape statistics. Mm-hmm. I would I would be willing to wager there's a lot more things that go down like this and the women don't report it because they themselves do not consider themselves to be raped or because they don't want to deal with the the stigma that goes along with that all there's um, so many reasons not to report the fact that you've been raped by an acquaintance or someone like this i definitely think there's an instinct with women to minimize it to say exactly and i wonder where i'm trying to think as a woman like where that comes from it's just like it's not a big deal i just want to move on it was fine it's fine whatever it was fine let's just want to be seen no one wants to be seen as a victim they don't want to be yeah, I think that's part of it. Don't want to be seen as a victim. Don't want to make a big deal out of it. Just don't. Just want to forget it. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, you know? Yeah. And not everyone's just, like that. It's like, you know, it's like uh, some people, their reaction to getting mugged would be like, oh, maybe they tell their really close friends. Maybe they don't tell anybody because it's embarrassing. Yeah, and they just want it to be over. But I think it's interesting that we as a society sometimes have that reaction too. Like with when you hear about like, um, you know, we have that knee jerk. I forgot who's that horrible coach who was the child molester. Oh yeah, the the Penn State guy, Joe Paterno. He wasn't the child yeah, molester, no, but he yeah, had the. There's a voice. There's a voice here telling me Jerry Sandusky. Yeah, Jerry. That was that's right. Joe Paterno did not, to my knowledge, rape any young boys. That was his <laughs> his uh, assistant coach. But he, yeah, but he knew about it, and they kind of tolerated it. So yeah, what? just that knee jerk cover up. Like, okay, we're just gonna not report. You know, like it's yeah. cool. It's gonna take care of it privately and. Not reporting it, we don't want it to actually have happened. Maybe it's just a thing you just don't want to have actually happened. And yeah. if you don't acknowledge it, maybe it didn't actually happen. Right. You know? And who's to say? It's like, you know, it's like it's, it's in a locker room. And that's that's why these – it's like, you know, it's like they were at a party and they'd both been drinking and he did buy her the Mountain Dew. This shit, this justification and minim- minimization is built into our society. And I'm not saying that our society is an evil, weird, twisted. But when people talk about the term rape culture – Mm-hmm. this is what they're talking about yeah. it's not that every man is a rapist and there's a it's, it's that what we do and we handle it in our personal lives and our public lives is is a is something that contributes to further this cycle down for generations and generations and, and the fact know, is and this is something that we did talk about on our podcast like every woman has a bad touch story sure everyone i have one you've I've been scared you've, you've a, a man has made you feel afraid yeah, or creepy or unsafe or whatever. I yes. had a guy, creepy guy masturbate next to me at a movie theater once when Jesus. I was watching Benny and June. I know. I was watching Benny and June and a weirdo came and sat next to me with his overcoat in his lap and it took me a long time to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And I just looked at him. Like in the movie, it was like the theater was like half empty. So mm-hmm. it was weird that he sat right next to me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then I just kind of looked at him like, because I like his elbow was hitting my hip. Something was happening. And I looked ah. at him like, what are you doing? I know. I just looked at him like, what are you doing? And he just got up and left. Wow. And I was so creeped out. I mean, as far as like bad touch stories, that is so minor. And I felt so violated. I was but so see, that's out. the I thing. You're, I was shower. about to say like, that's a step above your standard, you know, honking at the, uh, at, at, on, on, at, honking at you on the street and like wolf whistling. That's pretty extreme. And you're minimizing it. 
A guy. I mean, the wolf, the honking and the wolf whistling is just like, I don't even think about that. But that's what, that's, that, that is kind of profoundly fucked up though. That's the interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, oh, that's nothing. You know, guy masturbated. That's that's, that's some light bad touching when the guy is jerking himself off next to me in the theater. Plus I had to watch (laughs) Benny and June. (laughs) The trauma is multi-level. It's multi-level. I'm here for you. Do you need to, do you need to talk anything out? Totally. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, we've we've actually gotten to this uh, plot to the very end of the, the episode. We'll see if we anything else jogs loose as we move on. Um, there's this weird scene where Loosecheck drives up in a, on a motorcycle and he takes Healy's spot and Caputo notices it and he asks him about it. And he goes, Caputo owes me or not Caputo. Healy owes me one. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I don't know what that. That was a mystery to me. Is, are they saying that Healy pulled multiple strings to get Red back into the kitchen? I have I, no idea. Okay. Or maybe something wasn't okay. Again, I don't know the order of the episodes, but he was he helped them by he helped them sell drugs, right? The, like the yeah, the girls in the prison. Hot? But what would yeah. Healy owe him a favor for that? I have no idea. Unless yeah. he was lying because he was all like, "Hey, now I got a bunch of money." That was definitely the. I think we're supposed to understand he got a. I guess you can a shit ton of money for selling heroin if he's getting yeah. checks and buying motorcycles and all that stuff. But anyway, yeah, oh, I don't uh, know what to make of that. Leads to the scene where the girls are having shout therapy in the morning, where they're mm-hmm. the the Normaites, as I've, I'm calling them, are just screaming their frustrations out in in first thing in the morning, so they can just be a quiet cult in the afternoon, right. Uh, and Caputo comes out here and puts a kibosh on it, which, you know, Leanne is the whole point of her organizing this religion is so they can be treated like a religion and it's, it's not working. Where, yeah, where, where are you standing this whole Norma cult well, as a plot line? You know, I thought it was kind of nice for a little while that mm-hmm. the women were going in somewhere and feeling kind of peaceful. It seems sort of non-denominational. Sure. Um, I say whatever in that situation, whatever, gives you peace whatever makes you feel a little like united with your fellow inmates you know there was nothing really Mm -hmm. their agenda was only good yeah um i think giving someone that much power even someone as kind and you know unassuming as normal is always a dangerous thing to do yeah and i didn't feel culty to me necessarily yet it felt kind of weird you know but not quite culty it's an interesting line, like, you know, say you have a support group, okay? Like, it's Alcoholics Anonymous, it's, you know, women's group for divorcees, it's whatever, around the charismatic central figure, they're a mentor. It's really right. hard to draw the line where that stops being healthy and becomes a cult. It's kind of like well, one of those things where you know it when you see it, but I'm yeah, with you. I'm not sure when I, this was stopped becoming healthy and started becoming toxic to everybody. Yeah, I mean, I heard somewhere, I read somewhere, I think after, or learned it on that documentary about Scientology, speaking of Aaron, yeah. um, that the three things about the cult are, um, I think it was like your money, your family, it takes away your money, your family, and maybe your, there was a third thing that I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can tell if it's a cult or not. Right. You give them all your money, you can't see your family anymore, and mystery third thing so maybe, maybe you have to live there what? <laughs> or i was thinking maybe it's like the information control yeah maybe because you're not allowed yeah. to like read outside information all that stuff uh yeah. but yeah. if you're in prison and you don't got a library and your family doesn't mm-hmm. come to see you and you have no money cult right. it up <laughs> exactly <Go for> it. <laughs> what why can't it hurt yeah. uh <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Alex confronts Lolly about her stocking journal that we found late last episode. And here's how crazy people plan ahead. She had a whole other fake journal in a completely different handwriting just to frame Alex and get her two shots. And I thought like, wow, you don't go to war against a crazy obsessive person. You'll just never win. Yeah. That seemed a little far-fetched to me. I was like, I thought so too. I thought so too. I do love Lori Petty, though. I was very happy to see Lori Petty. But also, I guess I don't know. Some of those tinfoil types—they do. They, they, you know, the, the, they're all they're all preppers. They're preppy. That's true. That's they're, true. They're, they're like like why we're buying new cars. They're burying barrels full of AK forty sevens and taking <laughs> marksmanship classes. It's it's you, you second, second journals just in case. Exactly. Exactly. They really plan ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's no, another. I was glad. 
that she was just a regular crazy. I mean, you know, it was too obvious that she seemed to be set up. Yeah, because that, that, you know? that was my thing. It's like, man, if this gangster shows up and kills Alex or has some train murderer from Chicago, that is going to be the stupidest thing I've ever seen. The first thing I thought when it wasn't Lori Petty, I was like, oh, it's totally Stella. I bet Ooh. it's totally the Aussie girl mm. is the plant and she's going to kill Alex. See, I thought it was, that was this was just it was just going that was a twist and, and we were done with it. And I'm like, yeah. good, because Alex being paranoid has not been my favorite plot line. Really, yeah, Alex and Piper, I anything. I agree. It's been kind of weird, that whole thing. And also, Piper's relationship. I mean, Piper so easily, like, didn't she kiss Stella in this episode? Yes, she did. I mean, after all that thing about Piper and Alex, all they've been through, and them being back together, and then Piper's like, oh, well, she's annoying me right now, so I'm going to kiss you. No, Piper has never moved past high school in terms of relational intelligence, it doesn't seem. Yeah. I just think they're trying to bring her down really low, so maybe she can be. there can be some redemption later. Well, they need to aim lower for as far as I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a kind of entertaining C plot line in this episode of Judy King, who's kind of like the Martha Stewart, Paula Dean combination. Wait, wait, she's wait. been she's been found guilty in all accounts, and she's going to prison. Mm-hmm. And the inmates are like fans of a sports team, and they just got the number one draft pick. They're like, "Oh my god, what if she comes here? This is going to be so amazing." Well, that's based on what actually happened, which is Martha Stewart almost went. To, to the prison that Piper, whatever her last name is, the real lady. Oh, no, was, no kidding. I did not yeah, know that that was, like, that that was, I, I figured it was an allusion to all that, but I didn't know it was exactly what happened. Yeah, no, that's pretty much exactly. I think there was some talk that Martha Stewart was going to be there and then she didn't end up going there. And then she ended up going to the, the, the club fed type of deal, right? Yeah, wherever she went. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was pretty, uh, I think that was pretty true to the sto- the actual story. Uh, Piper then recruits Marzipan, Flocka, and Maria for being into her panty enterprise. And mm-hmm. Flocka and Marzipan especially are very excited about being panty twinsies again, mm-hmm. which I guess is a thing. Wait, uh, which one's Marzipan? Uh, she, I, I think her name is Maritza, and I okay. called her Marzipan because I'm an idiot. And then, okay, then the next episode, I got a right name, and then people emailed me like, "No, we like it better when you call her Marzipan." <laughs> okay. So well, I'll call her she, she's Marzipan. <laughs> Uh, and ruby and piper being all flirty and alex catches them and starts getting rightfully suspicious which they treat her like a massive bitch for this which i don't understand i mean alex is in the right here i agree i agree they're not even on a break this is just straight up infidelity in prison lesbian terms the way i see it it makes one thing I do like about the season is that Piper is now so integrated into the prisoner community. Mm. You can imagine if you went in as like a new prisoner there, um, she would just seem like one of the crazies. Who, I guess she, yeah, you're right. The yeah, way she, so I do like that. I mean, I think if you sat down at the table and talked to her for five minutes, you'd suss mm-hmm. it out. But yeah, the way she kind of carries herself and all that is but a lot of them are intelligent i mean nikki is i'm not saying she's stupid i'm just saying that like she would say something dumb like oh my house with 10 bedrooms and five bathrooms isn't a mansion and you'd be like oh yes you're the rich white girl okay exactly (laughs) um the one polymorphically perverse girl who i still don't know her name and i'm calling her p squared until otherwise you know might be a marzipan Mm -hmm. situation uh, she okay. comes out to help Suzanne out of her writer's block that she's suffering from. Oh, she that can't, crazy girl. I like that crazy girl. She can't She can't get the Rod Cocker thing complete, and she gives yeah. her a slant rhyme pack pickup note right. and says, I'll be in the broom closet tonight right. after dinner, and gives her a peck on the cheek. And Suzanne now, does not know what to do. Here's an issue, because Suzanne was so aggressive with Piper in the first... I was going to bring that up, the whole dandelion yeah. ownership deal. Right. Right. She was so assertive with her and so like dandelion and she did not seem she seemed crazy, but not inexperienced, not like this inexperienced little child. But then again, she also wrote this pornographic work and she said it's just because of things I've read. I wonder if she was just fronting that whole time. Oh, with Piper, you mean? I mean, I really what I feel like is is they've rewritten the character, but I'm trying to see like, okay, if I go back and watch season one and I think of her Mm -hmm. as being an overcompensating lady child. That doesn't mm-hmm. really know what sex works, but she wants a girlfriend and she thinks it's maybe holding hands in the bunk. Like, is that consistent with her in the first season one? I kind of think maybe it would work. I think that you are giving the writers too much credit. Probably. <laughs> probably. I think probably they, a lot of these characters, they just, 
you know, created them in season one as they created them and they were great. And now they're going back and fleshing them out way more. And there right. were just inconsistencies, yeah. you know, and sometimes it works like with, um, Tiffany Doggett, it totally works. Like that yeah. is a, even if they didn't think of this, I don't know if this was the plan at the beginning, but I can, this character's arc feels natural to me, Yeah, yeah. but Stan, like this doesn't, it doesn't feel organic. Yeah. Um, we're moving on to Soso talking to Birdie, uh, mm-hmm. and justifying the terrible way she handled Jean or Jean. G- G- ah, Jesus, uh, Leanne. I wrote it down as oh, yeah. yeah. I wrote yeah. it as Jean. I was trying to Jesus and Leanne. Uh, the terrible hand of Leanne's trying to apologize to her, mm-hmm. and she's got this excuse. Oh, I'm just genetically predisposed to nervous laughter. I I don't know. I don't really like Soso and. It's weird because I th- I always thought Birdie was a cut above Healy, but I thought that hers advice of, look, well, maybe you are different. Maybe you are better than these girls, and maybe that's not a bad thing, sounded a lot like the shit that Healy was preaching to Piper in season one. Yeah. And, well, I know, I, and, and Healy's terrible, so what am I supposed to believe here? So one thing I like about this show is that they show people making such bad choices and such bad decisions just in the spur of the moment and just the consequences thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, here's Leanne trying to give this pretty sincere apology. Being real, like, not... I, I grew up in this weird religion. I'm sensitive to yeah. it. Yeah, it cannot be easy for her, mm-hmm. you know, to someone she doesn't like who's so-so. Mm-hmm. And so-so just has, who I like. I actually like so-so. I like that character. She okay. reacts so horribly. She, that is the exactly opposite thing she should have done. Sure. It's horrible. And, um just cringing horrible and it really makes if i blow it out a little and maybe now i'm giving too much credit but if i blow it out it really makes me understand how some of these women and people in general can end up in prison and just you know living crappy lives just making these spur of the moment like bad decisions mm. bad choices not thinking about it for a second and just everything kind of spiraling down from there even after birdie tells so so maybe you're not like them to kind of make her feel better and then so so takes that and puts it through this filter of i'm better than you guys birdie told me i was you know yeah and like not thinking about i mean i guess it's consistent behavior for her then just not thinking for a second like what does that mean what's a better reaction here right. what's gonna long term what's gonna be the best thing for me to do right you know yeah like so, maybe maybe there is instead of entertaining that maybe the problem is me it i just feel like this birdie advice is like you're fine you're in prison you should be depressed and fuck them other bitches and I'm like, I don't know if that's what you yes. want to tell Soso because Soso goes down a hallway, you know, when we get to later in the episode. Well, let's 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 get to that later. I want to yeah. reopen this when we get to that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a kitchen scene where the girls are just bored because they got nothing to do but slit open bags for 10 minutes. And I'm wondering when the administrators figured this out, what are they going to have you do? Uh, okay. But Red gets an order of fresh veggies from the tiny garden that mm-hmm. uh, she's been cultivating with her uh, girl gangsters. Mm-hmm. And it looks like she's going to whip up some kind of meal with these girls. She has yeah. a purpose. This is she's, she's got her purpose back again. Right. Which was nice to uh, see. Uh, we also have this kind of scene of everybody in the visiting room. And Gloria is spying on Sophia, meeting with her family. And she's really salty about, you know, the fact that Sophia has frozen her out because she thinks her son is a bad influence. Mm-hmm. Um, Morello is being thoroughly creeped out by one of her, e- her, you know, prison emailers or prison mailers. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it was funny to watch her body language that she mm-hmm. just kept on shrinking. Like she was trying to fold herself into deceit to get away from just how creepy this guy was being. Are we going to um, discuss the upshot of that later? We this... will. We will. Okay. Yes, she was. That I will disagree with you. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Michael is getting out of control. Uh, this is Sophia's son. And so. Hard to watch. Yeah, it really was. And I started thinking, like, as a parent, what do you do in this situation if you're Sophia? You're fucked. Yeah, you are. Because if this kid wants to, I mean, like, you just kind of hope that he's going to go through a rough patch and maybe his mom at home, they can get him some counseling or he'll just I mean, get through this. And nice people. I mean, his mom is lovely, you know, and they live yeah. in a nice house. Sophia yeah. gave him terrible advice. She, she did. Advice. She did. And, you know, you, you you wonder how much of this is her fault. And, mm. and also, like, you know, we talked, it's like, 
on other uh, another podcast is you know an uncomfortable um, reality as a parent is your individual choices impact your children's lives and sometimes you know you have to make a choice between your happiness and fulfillment and their happiness and fulfillment and it's it sucks that Sophia you know it's like there's no way you can be a kid in public school nowadays especially a black young man and not have this be a giant problem in your social life that your dad is now your mom. Yeah. It's I'm like sure. in jail. Yeah. And she's in jail. Like yeah. every possible bad thing that people could use as ammunition against you in the playground is, mm-hmm. is happening to you. And that's got to just make you super, super angry and confused all the time. Yeah. I mean, it'd be hard. Yeah. It'd be hard under any circumstances. Yeah. But I think, yeah. yeah. So I don't I don't know what to tell her because it's 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 just a it's uh it's a really bad spot to be in as a parent. But then Sophia makes such bad choices with Gloria. Same thing, you know? Like right. she like, doesn't address it head on. They could have been a united front and instead Exactly. They're... She's got the so so problem of when you found out that Benny wasn't the bad guy, mm-hmm. the proper thing to do would be to go back to Sophia and you know, start a dialogue about like, well, maybe Benny can start coming back to prison to continue. And that's so, I thought it was so interesting the episode before where I think Sophia came up to Gloria and was going to apologize to her, but Mm -hmm. something about Gloria's, you know, bitch face just sat her off. And that's kind of when you're talking about the stakes, which is their children's Mm -hmm. lives, really petty. Wasn't a good look for Sophia. I also will say that I love Gloria's bitch face. (laughs) It's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. Wouldn't you do anything that bitch face told you to do? I, okay. if I, if I were her son, I would do my goddamn fractions for sure. If I just saw her on the street and she gave me that look, I'd be like, "What should I do? Just tell me what to do." Um. So now you know that we talked about Gloria and how spitting mad she is because we now know that she has found that independently that her son had nothing to do with the assault, which you can think that like, okay, uh, Sophia either doesn't know and she's being a stuck stuck up bitch for nothing or she does know and she is just being heartless and cruel so she just can't deal with the fact that it's her own son yeah you know yeah just can't handle it uh so boo and pinsatucky are out in the yard talking about her guard her prison guard boyfriend and Mm -hmm. she clearly really likes him and she says it's not just about the donuts it's like you know you talk about cool stuff and this leads to another tiffany flashback where she is a teenager in the middle of a carnival of bad ideas. There's underage drinking, there's unprotected sex, there's drug use, there's gunfire, all yeah. in one convenient location. Right. Uh, we see a cute boy make eyes at Doggett, like he's interested. Uh, she then fucks a dude for a six-pack of generic Mountain Dew is what I got out of it. Hmm. I mean, uh, who hasn't? Yeah, like, right? You know, you're thirsty <laughs> and you need caffeine. Where this podcast started, so... <laughs> Um, it's not like I haven't sucked it for Red Bull, so <laughs> exactly. I, I'm not going to throw stones. Uh, and she gets stung by a bee in mid in mid act, and the dude is so fucking pissed that she didn't finish him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm like, wow, you start to see the pieces come together. Uh, also, a little heavy handed with the bee sting. Little what? Little heavy handed. Oh the right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like yeah. a bee sting in and out, and and actually, bee stings worse. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the cute guy has a first aid kit, which Pintatucky thinks is pretty gay, uh, <laughs> which we need to work on her, you know, homophobia. But there's there's a lot of issues here. And he asks her, hey, do you want to see a movie? And she's like, well, it depends what I got to do. And he's like, just be my date. He's obviously mm-hmm. not a piece of shit. And she's intrigued. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the too good to be true guys, you know, it's a little bit of a convention, but I liked it and I bought it. I was like, okay, someone's going to be kind to her. And that's, I wanted that to happen. So it was nice to see. I, I, went with it. I bet. I don't know. I feel like that with a lot of danger, it's kind of like the same thing with girls and dangerous men. There's something about dangerous women or troubled women that certain type of guys just f- like feel like they need to jump in there and, and, and help out. That is very true. So I, I think some guys have like a rescue thing. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, and this kid, and also, this kid had his own issues. His dad has been, pray, you know, dragging him from town to town as he gets fired a jo- for jobs for being drunk. You know, yeah. so he hasn't formed a lot of permanent attachments. Probably hasn't developed a lot of social skills. And maybe there's a little shade of the Sophia's advice where it's like, I don't think he's he's consciously doing it, but finding a girl with low self esteem, 
is probably yeah. a safe option for him. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a lot of sociological things to unpack here. I don't know how interesting it is, but uh, um, anyway, the one thing I will say about this is Doggett looks like she's 39 years old with all these 16 years old. I haven't seen teenagers this old since Bev since, you know, 90210. All right. That 16 year old has pro speed, but whatever. Yeah. And I get it. She's, she's, she's had some hard and fast living thus far, but I'm pretty sure these kids are supposed to be in high school or maybe just out of it. So yeah, no, you're right. It was, I was just like, okay, that's fine. We'll just go with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're you know? telling me she's a teenager. I'm going to accept that. Put her uh, in a mini skirt and a jean jacket. We'll yeah, yeah. Um, black suit. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say one thing I did like. Mm-hmm. I kind of vaguely remember is when she gets with the cute guy. And I think she takes off her clothes and she stands on the bed in front of him naked or just in her underwear. But you only see her from the back. Sure. And even though she's really skinny, like she doesn't have a Hollywood body, which no. I liked. This is a very specific memory, but I think she had like her skin looked like it was just kind of hanging on her. Like she just uh-huh. she did not have a skinny Hollywood body. She had a skinny like junky body. Yeah, you know. And it's kind of like, like that, the the, hmm? the magazine articles that had the like the uh, anatomically average Barbie. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly like what that she looked like. Of, <laughs> yeah, I like that bit of reality. Um, on that on this show that's this show is really good for that because they've got bodies of all shapes and sizes just out on parade and i think that's that's another uh interesting thing about the show yeah uh next scene is black cindy is looking around for an israelite to tutor her she's Mm -hmm. offering a hella commissary tons of candy (laughs) for some jewish 411 and she is yeah she's interviewing them to make sure that that she's getting the the genuine genuine israelite um Norma is enjoying back rubs and extra fruit fruit cups. She's kind of a mini red at this point. Good for Norma. Yep. And Tasty and Pusey. Uh, Tasty comes up to talk about the King trial to Pusey, and she gets shushed by Leanne. And you can see that this starting to really piss off Pusey. Like this is getting in her yeah. the, the way of her Norma Norma uh, worship. And Tasty's kind of like, give me a break. Yeah. She has the best head on her shoulders. She's starting to have the best head on her shoulders of a lot of a lot of other people. Indeed. Uh, uh, the prison guard Ford comes up to talk to loose check and tells them they're not in the union anymore and they're getting fucked over by the company and loose check doesn't care. Cause he's got oil on his land, right? which oil. is, is pretty oil. openly. Yeah. This is all about the heroin money. Right. And again, like hair, I, maybe I need to start selling heroin because a couple of those little yellow bricks yeah. are just putting this guy up for life. Like, yeah, here it's really easy money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just need to first thing to become a guard at a women's prison. <laughs> and yeah then question mark question mark question mark step three profit exactly uh we get to see porn stash for the first time this season minus the stash he's taking the no stash, stash and he's added it to his mullet and back exactly. it retracted his mustache retracted and that led to an extension of his mullet uh exactly. and it also reinforces my love for mary steen virgin she's great she has been murdering it this year she was in yeah. that seven days in hell she was in justified in a memorable role <laughs> it's, it's the year of the steenberger this year <laughs> totally um but of course he's the type of guy that calls his mom mommy when he's oh, that's so creepy 30 something and he we find out that he's writing dia every day uh that he does not consider himself a rapist that he needs so to get out and claim this family creepy and she seems to enable him in this scene. Like this completely recontextualizes how I saw this character. Like I'm starting to wonder how much she's actually crazy that she's going to go through with this plan, knowing what we know about porn stash, knowing what she knows about porn stash. Go through with the plan of adopting the baby. Yes. Oh, I totally didn't think that was crazy. Really? Now that you mention it, it seems crazy. Cause, cause I mean, <laughs> porn stash like... is going to get out of this prison. Yeah. In, in what six yeah. to fifteen years, and be a part of this young woman's life. And... I mean, I guess we all have a blind spot when it comes to our children. I don't. <laughs> but know. I understood her wanting to adopt. I understood her wanting to adopt the baby out of guilt and obligation and some kind of need and some kind of love for you know grandmotherly love and feeling guilty about her son and wanting to make it right. I get that. I got all of it. Sure. But now making a part of porn stash's wish fulfillment has really soured me on the whole concept because that makes me wonder about uh, Mrs. Porn stash's mental mental state as well. 
yeah, I think it's just maybe not putting it together. Mm. You know, because she has two other sons who seem very nice and respectable. Who she you know? said. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, we don't, maybe they're in federal prison too. Who knows? Because that's, it's not like they've done background checks on this woman. I'm, I'm just, at this point, I was starting to wonder are we supposed to have alarm bells going off in our head about this woman? Because I didn't have any. I all did right. Not all I right. I felt like she was a little scared of her son when she was like, what did she say? Like, let's practice putting it in a larger concert. I don't know. Well, that's what she the said. thing. When she said, all right, baby, all right, I thought she was just going to be like, okay, whatever. He's insane. Yeah. But then when she went back to the prison, like, I need this baby, I was like, oh, oh, I, I don't know. This is scary to me. Yeah. yeah, that felt very, there's a lot going on right there, I thought. Uh, there's a cool scene between Morello and Suzanne where Suzanne calls Morello a real slut and they debate yeah. about whether that's appropriate or not, which leads yeah. to the revelation, the shocking revelation that Suzanne is, in fact, a virgin, which mm-hmm. I had in my notes is kind of surprising from the whole dandelion business. Right. Uh, and Morello gives her some pretty solid advice. The first time will be messy and bumpy and weird, and that's okay. Yeah, she said, just kind of figure it out. Um, I know someone else who got advice, who didn't know, a guy who didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. kind of with his first girlfriend, had no clue, and asked um, an older guy who knew a lot, how do I do it? What do I do? And the guy said, um, just act like you're painting a house. Start at the top and work your way down. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So there you go. Advice for everybody. <laughs> uh, you can get more of that quality stuff if you listen to Picasso every week. Just saying. You can, for sure. Just saying. You can just email these ladies and they will have no problem telling you what you need to do. No, you, you can um, just write down all those words of wisdom. Do you think eventually, like 15 years from now, you guys will have morphed into a full-on advice podcast? Or just people, you, you know, you got 500,000 listeners and they're just emailing you for, for your guys' sage advice all the time? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, do you think eventually in 15 years your children are going to watch this, <laughs> listen to you guys, and be totally mortified at all times? And the answer was yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had the same thought about my son. Like, you know, when he goes back to some of these archives, he's going to think his old man is insane. But yeah, totally. On the other hand, that's kind of cool to have. Like, if, if I'm doing this in a 20 years time span, that'd be kind of cool to have that kind of archive of your father's, at least one side of your father's life. Very much so. I think I mean, a lot about this I, a lot, more than I probably should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to Coates and Doggett. And here again, this guy seems like such a nice guy because she wants ice cream and she kind of comes on to him and mm-hmm. implies. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you don't have to do that. If you want, We're friends. If you want ice cream, just ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and he likes anything the rainbow sprinkles. She likes double fudge. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Me? Mm-hmm. I gotta know. Oh gosh. I like things in the chocolate family. Okay. So double chocolate I, fudge is kind of in yeah, your wheelhouse. Plain chocolate. I will tell you that I'm a brick I'm a big sprinkle fan. Ah. My love son sprinkles. loves sprinkles too. I have an array. I don't like sprinkles. I don't get them. I love them. And like the waxier and more flavorless, the better. Hmm. Interesting. Just like shitload of, we have a um a place here that's uh you can get ice cream, you can kind of very much customize it with sure. whatever you want. And I said that I wanted um, a shitload of sprinkles on mm-hmm. mine. And they put that on the receipt. Like, ah. the receipt was like shitload of sprinkles. You were charged <laughs> for one shitload of sprinkles. Very nice. Yeah. So yeah, for whatever reason, <laughs> I love the sprinkles. Uh, let's see. This goes to a flashback where you talked about it before. Uh, with Doggett and her sensitive, uh, wonderful boyfriend are watching porn in his room. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she doesn't understand what's going on. No, like I'm it's pleasure from this is beasting territory. Why is this man? Why is he putting his lips on her 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 business? This is this is perverted. She says. I do think she uses the word vagina, and I found that to be not realistic. Oh, really? I thought that I don't think that character would use that. You word. think? Yeah, she would have some kind of horrific metaphor for okay. it. Or yeah. yeah, some other word, whatever it was. I don't think she, I felt like she would not use the correct biological term. Uh, so he's oh, that was very cute to hear her say it. <laughs> so it <laughs> yeah. she's part of the mo- the monologues. Um, mm-hmm. so he stands her up in response, strips her, tells her she's beautiful, and then finger bangs her until she has what seems like her first orgasm in her life. Yeah, that's oh, probably I'm, not realistic, but whatever. Isn't it? I mean, I don't know. I've I don't know if, if you, you get your first orgasm from finger banging. Okay. Oh, I'm saying I'm saying like yeah. It's like I I feel like. 
I regularly hear of women who've never, ever, ever had orgasms. So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me that Doggett, even though she's clearly very sexually experienced, yeah, has never actually, you know, if you're just getting five minute bangs for Mountain Dew, I don't, I don't think you have time to be properly stimulated. Yeah, usually get your first one from yourself or some kind of helper. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. Who am I? I'm just one person. Who, she's who the, she's, she's the, the, that 3% of people on surveys that don't masturbate. Yeah. Or well, whatever the, you? whatever the statistic is. Yeah. Maybe that character does, but it seems like if anyone wasn't going to think about that part of herself, it'd be her. Uh, so then we go back to Morello meeting with her Jersey shore boyfriend, Vinny. And mm-hmm. she says, you know, she talks about how masculine he is and something about a man in a gold chain makes her feel protected, which I thought yeah. was hysterical. Uh, but then she, okay, she's, she that wants him to beat up. She talks about this creepy guy that you assume she's talking about the man from earlier and she wants him to beat him up, uh, right. which seems like a bad idea all around. Maybe she wants him into prison. Maybe she wants to lock him down by putting him in the prison system with her. But, hmm. um, but I'm like, huh, that's weird. She's having him beat up this random creepy dude. Yeah. And uh, when did your light bulb go off? Did it ever go off? Uh, when when he showed up at Richard's, or that wasn't Richard, it's Christopher. Christopher. Well, she says his name's Christopher. Oh, yeah. yeah no, it wasn't until that like hit me in the face that yeah. uh, I realized. And I'm like, oh, this is. Did you think, and, and obviously we know the answer, mm-hmm. did you think this was going to, if, if you ignore that, your first thought, did you think this was going to blow up in her face in a major way? Having Christopher beat up? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it can, mostly I thought, okay, this is kind of funny for the show, Mm -hmm. but in reality, this is terrible and scary. Christopher's completely innocent. I I know. And I had that, that's a weird thing for the show to play with. There's some things that are objectively funny, but then if you think of real people going through this, oh, I mean, that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's like some things feel pretty realistic and this felt like, eh, like how much belief disbelief do i have to suspend to yeah. think yeah, yeah it's just yeah. amazing like this poor man is being stalked from prison and beat up you yeah. know which i don't know like i i buy that morello would do that it's just one of those things where it's like oh this is going to your boyfriend's going to be in prison you might get new charges yeah. and also just and poor christopher also the treatment of it it felt like a little light yeah like they wanted it to be a broad comedy <laughs> yeah because she's so likable and so adorable yeah you know? yeah and then you forget that she's like cape fear levels crazy she is cape fear i'm trying to remember the name of that movie thank you <laughs> there we, there you go there um, you go so mars and pan and flacca are talking about how sexy and cool they feel being in their secret double invest you know uh underwear club Mm-hmm. And then they realize how many women in this prison are wearing them. And then they start to put together how much money Piper is making off this and what they're getting and right. starting to realize that this is some bullshit. So this doesn't really pay off this episode, but it looks like troubles, wa- troubled waters for uh, Piper. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Suzanne looks like she's going to woman up and head to the broom closet and lay some broom uh, <laughs> and get sweet. her, get her garden rose popped. But mm-hmm. she then chickens out, which bums out the polymorphic perverse lady yeah which is a bummer but maybe they still have a chance she came really close it seems pretty stupid to have this prison keep the broom closet unlocked because you know broom is a weapon all by itself and you could break it in half and make a spear i mean just you know lock up the broom closet people and you could have a lot of sex in a broom closet lots of like that's that's your that's your lesbian honeymoon suite in prison it seems like everybody everybody goes there um Let's see. We now have another sunrise screaming session because Leanne decided down with oppression and they're not going to be be put in a little box. And people are getting really fed up with this whole shit with Leanne. Um, Pusek stands like comes up and says, hey, I'm just here for Norma. I'm tired of all this shit. And mm. they kind of then make it into who loves Norma the most competition before they get shut off and assigned to punishment detail. And this is the scene I talked about before where Soso kind of digs herself in deeper into this hole she has with a woman because she doesn't even she doesn't even care anymore. It's like, you know what? I am better deal. Yeah. And that's not going to make her new friends. No. Well, and and if your primary problem news. is depression and loneliness, that mm-hmm. is not what you want to do to, to make not friends. So not at all. That's just like some quiet knowledge you have within yourself. Yeah. You. you know, like that nice nun. Yeah. Like, she knows she's than everybody, and she does not make a big deal out of it. And that, that allows you to, you also can't take the high road if you're announcing that you are taking the high road. 
Exactly. Telling exactly. someone you're taking the high road automatically puts you at least on the medium road. If not the low road. Yeah, you can't say you're on the high road if you're announcing it. You, you missed a yes. turn. Yes. Uh, anyway. You can't, you can't, like, say that you're the mature one in the relationship and then still be the mature one in the relationship. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, Red is teaching the girls something a little uh, about Eastern block cooking. And mm. she treats them into some homemade ratatouille, and they all can't believe how good it is. And this is kind of like a little moment of triumph for Red. Uh, yeah, it was a really nice little scene. And it, like she said, you know, like I imagine institutionalized food makes you feel pretty institutionalized. A home cooked meal in prison would probably humanize oh, you. Busy. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, Coates then gets called out by Caputo for being late a whole bunch, and he puts him on official probation, uh, which means get your shit together and stop fucking mm. up, or you're out of a job. Um, it's happened. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the 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 pond stale donut duck routine has been noticed now officially. Yeah. Uh, porn yeah. stash mothers comes back to the prison, still wants to adopt the baby, and Daya gets in. And like I said, I'm totally off board with that. But mm-hmm. I don't know anything new to uh, to pitch in on that storyline. I did have a lot of respect for Daya to stand up and say tell the truth. Uh-huh. Uh, as far as this particular. I don't know. Like, I just kind of feel like their house is so horrible. Like, I want a better life for that baby, too. Yeah. And I feel like maybe if Mrs. Pornstash can protect it and its little uncles can be protected, like, maybe it'll be more okay than having to grow up in that place where someone's going to point a gun at its head if it doesn't eat its french fries. No, I I get it. Like, that's a known, that's like the devil you know. And I guess that's the whole point is, like, after this episode, I felt like I needed to know more about Mrs. Pornstash before I feel good signing that baby over there. Because maybe yeah. Caesar and his crazy gun is actually better than what's going to go down at the Pornstash household. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know either. Mrs. At least it'll... I don't know. I think I'm pro-Pornstash at this point. Pro-Pornstash place. Pornstash palace. Okay, the Pornstash palace gets your vote. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we got the King sentencing meeting with all the girls are disappointed to find out she's actually going to go to this Alderson Correctional Facility and everything's all crestfallen and sour grapes and which mm-hmm. which which that's the way you are. Uh, Piper and Ruby catch up in the personal history. Alex walks in on them and again is rightly outraged and yeah. tries to say, "Do you want to fuck?" Because all this, I'll I'll step out of this relationship and let you do whatever you want. And Piper acts like yeah. she's the biggest fucking bitch. And she's this huge giant problem. And, you know, then she kisses Ruby and then Red starts to walk in on him and then nopes right the fuck out, which is how pretty much right. I'm approaching the storyline. Right, right. I'm I just, know you hate Piper so much. I'm seeing Piper and this Ruby and this triangle and I'm just spinning on my heel and going back to the cafeteria. Yeah. Nope. I'm going to eat some food out of a bag. I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get second helpings at Ratatouille. Fuck this. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, this does justifiably piss off Alex and she comes into the restrooms with a head of steam and Lolly starts some shit up with her, mm-hmm. uh, pulls the Walter White Memorial glass shard and tries to stab <laughs> her with it. Simultaneously, Gloria and Sophia are in the other restroom starting some shit. Mm-hmm, that's true. Alex easily disarms Lolly and takes her down and starts choking the shit out of her, which is actually kind of badass. And then Lolly yeah, starts spouting pretty- crazy tinfoil shit about the NSA and bugs and spies and Gloria or Sophia pushes Gloria and she hits her head. Uh, bad, bad things happen. All as that is happening, Morello's Jersey Shore boyfriend shows up to beat the shit out of Christopher's house. It's just ass kickings all yeah. around. Yeah, everyone's getting beat up. Violence everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and if that's not bad enough, it triggers a Tiffany slash Pensatucky slash Doggett flashback where her wonderful boyfriend has to go because once again, his dad's forcing him to leave town mm-hmm. and they both say they love each other, but he's got to go. And then six pack Mountain Dew guy comes in and says she owes him and just straight up rapes her. Straight up rapes her. And she's uh, like, I don't want to. And he's like, too bad. Yeah. And I'm kind of yeah, going through this quickly. Cause I know we've covered some of this material um, mm-hmm. already. And then Coats and Doggett comes out. And again, like at this point, I'm feeling pretty good about their relationship, except for the flashbacks usually herald the future. But right. like Coates has been kind of a stand up dude, you know, like I've, 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 horrible I've thing except for the, the dog stuff and the that forcing himself. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm starting to like, OK, I'm getting whiplash kind of like t- like Pensatucky is here. Right. And he comes outside. And he's justifiably angry that, you know, she's. 
said that she knows the system and he's gotten in trouble. Oh, that is not justifiable. Really? She's, you can't no. be pissed off in that situation. I'm not saying no, I'm, okay. I'm I'm leaving the rape off the table. But rape off the table is yes. he is not it he is it is his job. He needs to understand his own job and the rules of his job and how his job works. That is no one's responsibility but his own. Okay. I, that is that is now. that is empirically true that he yes. is the guard and she is the prisoner. Yeah. Um, however, I'm saying in this this social contract where she's mm-hmm. saying, "I'll show you the ropes because I'm an experienced hand and you're the new guy," and also we kind of have this non-conventional buddy relationship. Mm-hmm. He's oh, I think that's you're right. He's got no one to blame but himself, but he could still be angry. The problem is then he just goes and kind of for bizarre reasons, like I don't think it necessarily followed, but I actually think that's okay because I think a lot of these kind of things probably don't logically make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, he just decides to aggressively straight up rape her. Yeah. I mean, he obviously had a lot of pent up whatever. right outside the loading zone of the prison. And it's also like we said before, like if you say you're the mature one, if you're a guy who announces I'm a feminist, like, be careful, you know, especially yeah. this guy. That is um, interesting. It's important to, felt, yeah, yeah. I, it's important to identify yourself as an ally, but also sometimes it's like, I'm always skeptical of parents that they like post pictures of their kids on Facebook, like once every six weeks and say, my children are the world. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Do you, okay. People that yeah. say that publicly, maybe not. I don't know. It's about my, my no, little prejudice. Right. Sometimes there's like the exact opposite going on. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You just got supervised custody this weekend and, and you're trying to make us think that you got a happy life. Don't don't front. I was um, I felt really ashamed of myself, like after this rape for thinking that like, oh, maybe maybe they can't have a good relationship because he did this terrible thing. That yes. Should have been a red flag to everybody. Yes. And even I was like, oh, but then he was kind to her. Then he said he liked her. So maybe, you know, and I'm just like, Amy. You idiot. Do you think that's a deliberate do you think that's a deliberate choice by Jinji to put the audience collectively into like where Doggett would be uh, so you can connect yeah. with her emotionally and mentally? I think that I think that's right. I think that was probably a really good good bit of storytelling right there. I did too cuz it's a terrible thing but you wanted so badly you're willing to overlook. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it's it's good for men and women to kind of confront that and to the extent that cuz I I got a lot of feedback from guys saying that it was, you know, I think it's it's, you know, it's not controver- it's it's duh to say that this was a um hard this is some hard stuff to watch. This is very uncomfortable yeah. things to watch. But so. also I just thought it was interesting that I heard from a lot of men and women that they felt real empathy and like the real depth of like what that would feel like to be in this kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, not just the physical violation, but the mental mm-hmm. mind fuck of it all oh, too. Absolutely. To I have totally this guy, you think that this guy, you know, that she had this other experience with this guy who was a genuine, not piece of shit guy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a hero. He's just a decent but, guy, but he, he treated her. Yeah. And this guy said a lot of the same things and she was thinking, Oh, it's going to be like this. And then it, yeah. it's, it's terrible. It is terrible. terrible. Um, And, you know, we'll see in future episodes what repercussions come from this. And Uh, that face of hers at the end, that blank face with the one tear was horrible. Yeah. And that's, I thought was, I was trying to think as I was watching this the third time, like the first time when she's, she has the same dead eye look when she has sex with the guy in the beginning, which is consensual for the Mountain Dew. Then mm-hmm. he rapes her later in the episode, and then you know the coach rapes her. She has the same dead eye expression, but she only has this, yeah. the tear at the end. And I yeah. thought, like, are we supposed to say that this is the first time that she's? I'm, I'm at the first. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm always cautious about saying things like this. But are they suggesting that maybe this one, this is the time that was really different? I think it was just a bigger betrayal. I mean, the Mountain Dew guy, she obviously had no connection to him. Right. This was like, like It'd just be like if the if the wonderful boyfriend had raped her. I think she would have yeah, cried exactly. because, like, I thought, I you know, I expected it from this other, these other interactions. Right. But this is like, you know, it's, 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 it's beyond the other things that I've experienced. This is something that, like, I trusted you and I mm-hmm. thought you were better and this is what's happened right. to me. I, I fell for it again. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a really um 
I don't know because I remember watching this and I'm like, I got to get to the next one because this I, I can't end the evening on this episode. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's a I think real, I actually had the same thing. <laughs> it's it's like I got to think it's late. It's like 12 30. It's like I'm gonna power through for another one because I don't want to go to bed with that last image in my head. Yeah, no, it was pretty awful. Thanks Thank for coming you. on you know and helping me out to do this by myself. Okay. What, Screw what, Susan. I, <laughs> if you guys uh, can't get enough of Amy and i know <laughs> can, really. and i know that that's that's probably going to be a lot of people's reactions you got to go yes. to baldmove.com <laughs> so. and uh, click on the because show and and get their whole archive because they are they are very funny and you have got a lot of funny guests and you have a lot of really cool stories and um it's entertaining and educational it will be. It it's, is. Like, it's like it won't be. it's go like ahead. if you listen to your wife or girlfriend and they were really funny <laughs> that's what it's like to, to be <laughs> yes yes it's we're like your girlfriends and wives only funnier i don't know that that would that that might hurt your female listenership a bit that might that might turn them off a bit i like if, i like your first one if your girlfriend or wife was really fun <laughs> yes yes it can, it can help your relationship um all right if uh, anybody would like to give feedback uh leave us feedback you can do so on forums.baldmove.com or at orange at baldmove.com and of course you can get uh, all of our podcasts, including Amy and Susan's The Cause Show at baldmove.com. Amy, once again, thanks for helping me out. And uh, really fun. we will talk to you another time. 